This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111. Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thank you very much for joining us. Recently, a Starbucks here in Philadelphia became the national hotspot in the debate over racism. Two black men were arrested at a Starbucks location in downtown Philadelphia after the manager of the store had asked them to leave, and they did not. At least one of those two gentlemen had asked to use the bathroom, but were refused to due to policy stating non-customers can't use the bathrooms. The men said they were waiting for a friend to come by and to talk business. Eventually, the police were called and removed the men. Since that point, Starbucks CEO Eric Johnson has apologized on behalf of the company, and they will be closing their stores one afternoon in the month of May to do training so that this type of incident does not happen again. We will delve into this story over the next uh, 30 minutes. We are joined here in studio by Stephanie Creary, who is an assistant professor in the management department here at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And joining us on the phone is uh, Mary Gilley, who's a senior associate dean and professor of marketing at the University of California at Irvine. And also with us on the phone is Hank Boyd, who is a clinical professor in the marketing department at the University of Maryland. Stephanie, nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Mary, Hank, thank Thank you for your time on the phone. Thank you both. Happy to be here. Glad to be here as well. So, Stephanie, as this story plays out, and you, you being here in the city of Philadelphia as well, what were your thoughts as this uh, this story started to make news? Well, sadly, I wasn't surprised. We have heard recently in the news lots of different uh, incidents like this happening all over the country where individuals, particularly young black men, have been stopped um, and have been profiled in some way um, and have sub- subsequently been arrested. In some cases, the uh, the repercussions have been fatal. But in this case, uh, fortunately, we didn't see anything of that nature. So I think, sadly, it wasn't surprising to me and to a lot of other people, but it was yet another unfortunate incident. Hank, what was your reaction? My reaction is pretty much the same. I was rather appalled. I, you think we're in 2018. These are two African-American males. They they hadn't created a ruckus. They hadn't created a scene. They just went there to meet a friend. And that's a common thing that happens at Starbucks. When you think of the brand, it's supposed to be the place between home and office, an oasis you can go to that feels like you're at someone's house in someone's living room. So why the differential treatment? Why were they treated less than? And it's pretty obvious, and it's racism right on its face. Mary, what's been your reaction? Uh, well, I've done research with Merlin Griffiths on uh, on territorial behaviors of, of customers in places like Starbucks, and we interviewed managers and, and customers, and managers were very reluctant to ever ask patrons to leave, even if they had you know, already finished consuming products or not even consumed at all. Even when it was crowded and other customers who wanted a seat and couldn't find one complained to them. Right. So it, it, and my understanding is this wasn't a particularly crowded store at the time. So it, it's very inconsistent with what we heard in our research in terms of managers very, being very reluctant to tell customers to leave because, as Hank says, Starbucks promotes itself as being the third place, not home, not office, a place where you can come and mingle with other people and right. relax and, 
And this is so inconsistent with that. And the interesting thing, Mary, is that also as part of this, uh, these gentlemen were sitting there. But again, as I mentioned at the top, at least one of them had had asked to use the bathroom and was denied that. Now, thinking back in my time over my 50 years, I, I know that it has been the the policy of some restaurants, some companies to say, you know, if you're not a customer, we ask that you not use the bathrooms. I understand that that may have been then, but seemingly, Mary, now I don't think that that policy is really enforced pretty much anywhere anymore. You you will occasionally see a sign, you know, restrooms for customers only, and, and or in, sometimes it's just for employees only, so they don't have public restrooms. Right. But you're right. I mean, you go into Barnes & Noble, you go into Einstein Brothers Bagels, you go, you know, other places, and the, it's a public restroom. It's kind of seen as a courtesy, Stephanie, just basically and when you have a lot of times somebody that is on the run, you know, they have a child with them, they need to duck in for a bathroom. That's that's why you see a lot of these situations. Yeah, but think of it this way. When you're entering off the street, you want to go in and perhaps they would buy a cup of coffee, right? I think for you and for me, one of the first things that I do before I go and order that cup of coffee is actually run to the restroom because I'm not taking that cup of coffee into the restroom Wash with your me. hands, something So it's like a little that. strange yeah. that yeah. they hadn't e- that was the first thing that they'd asked for was to use the restroom and immediately it was that you're not a customer. It sends signaling that you don't belong here. So it has to lead me to believe that there was another motive behind yeah. the refusal to allow them to stay there rather than they weren't paying customers yet. Hank, your reaction to the move uh, so far by uh, by Eric Johnson uh, coming into Philadelphia, uh, speaking with the two gentlemen, but also the announcement uh, about this uh, this uh, uh, class, this uh, program that they are going to run in their stores across the country. They're going to shut down Starbucks for an afternoon coming up in the month of May. I think they're definitely taking the right steps as far as corrective action. However, they're going to have to do more. I think some of the public will say a little bit too little too late in the sense that we think of training, and that seems to be the sort of default setting. Yes, we'll have training. We'll do this. But there should be something more concrete. I'd like to think that Starbucks offers licensed stores, and if they want to make inroads into the African-American community, they'll say, look, we're serious about this. We want to be inclusive. We're going to find more owners that are African-American. And once again, we're going to try to put back some of the the luster that was Starbucks because the brand has taken a hit. And they've got to do something to make sure their brand personality stays intact. Is it not only in your mind just the the want to try and find more African-American owners, but also the locations that they they put some of their Starbucks as well? The locations matter as well. There there are going to be certain enclaves that are going to do very well where we're going to have upper middle class, African-American communities where, yes, you can put an establishment there. You're going to have other places where you're going to have a confluence of different racial groups that will feel like, wow, you've got all this diversity, and those locations will work as well also. Stephanie, what's your reaction to Eric Johnson? Well, I think the reality is is, is twofold. First, Philadelphia is a majority-minority city. It's approximately right. 45% African-American. Right. The place where this, where this Starbucks location is located is in a rather affluent part of the city. Yep. So the idea that Starbucks is interacting on a regular basis with the community is, in, is inarguable. At the second time, I do think that the the, the um, moves that the CEO has made to publicly acknowledge how disastrous the situation is, how harmful it is to these two young men and to the community, is commendable. Uh, 
I think when incidents like these happen, the first reaction is always to implement something. They were first calling it unconscious bias training. I'm, I'm very happy to know that they're now calling it some sort of racial bias training um, and diversity training more broadly. Um, I agree that that more needs to be done beyond this moment, but I think it's a great start. I would uh, be very interested in see- to seeing where the company goes with this going forward. Mary, is there a, is there a a potential long range impact on Starbucks in your mind if they do not handle this properly moving forward? Obviously, a couple of the pieces have been put in place, but probably uh, as uh, I believe all of you think, more needs to be done. Uh, well, certainly there's a lot of loyal Starbucks customers out there that, you know, have not been treated poorly and, and will continue to 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 be there. Um, I, I agree with Stephanie and Hank that, that these the initial reactions are good ones, and there does need to be a long-term commitment, maybe not just to ownership, but also to hiring employees, because uh, I would think that had there been an African-American employee there, they would they could have told the white manager, hey, you know, they're not doing anything. Let me talk to, you know, uh, it, it could have been resolved without ca- calling the police. So I, they need to have a commitment to a more diverse workforce so that, that managers get to know, you know, African-American employees and, and see they're just like us kind of thing. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to call in and give us your comments on this, on what happened at the Starbucks here in Philadelphia and what Starbucks is doing moving forward. 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111, B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Hank, one of the other areas that is being looked at is also the Philadelphia Police Department and how they handled this as well. Uh, in looking at the reporting, it seems like the the police reacted to what the manager had said and went about their business of removing the gentleman uh, from this location. Uh, but I guess in in this day and age, the police department has to has to go through everything as well. Absolutely, they got to do everything by the book. And when you looked at the incident on the video. Uh, feed that came out, one of the things that struck me was the fact that everyone seemed calm. The young men, when they got arrested, they didn't try to flail about or resist arrest, and the officers seemed rather low-key that they weren't trying to escalate the situation either. And so it was done by the, by the book, and so that being the case, they handled themselves correctly. The sad thing is, yes, they're responding to what the manager did. So the, the triggering point of the linchpin in all this is what the manager decided, I'm going to make this call. I think this is a scene or situation the police officers did what they were supposed to do. The chief of police stood behind his men saying, yes, they did everything by the book. Everything's going to be okay in that regard. But once again, we are now very aware of what's going on in society thanks to these devices, thanks to technology. So everyone's got to be on their P's and Q's. Mary, your thoughts? Uh, I've seen some some comments on stories uh, about this in in newspapers and so forth that, you know, the, the manager felt threatened. And that seems very odd to me, you know, and that she was justified in calling because she felt threatened. Having two African-Americans in the males in, in the Starbucks wanting to use the restroom and sitting and waiting for their friend doesn't sound very threatening to me. So it's, it, it's very sad to me in this day and age that just a mere presence of uh, African-American men in a, a place is seen as threatening. I, that's, that's, I, I don't understand that. 
I, this, um, I totally agree with this. I mean, and the reality is, is when we're stopping and thinking about this situation, we can rationalize. And I've heard people say things such as, you know, there must have been something that happened. But if you look at the comments online and you look at the people who were there in the Starbucks location that day, including people who are white, they were saying that there was nothing that they noticed or they could observe that these men were doing besides just merely sitting there and their right. presence being noticed. Well, and if, if you look at the video, the lady that shot the video from inside the, the location when the police were actually arresting these gentlemen, there is another gentleman, a, a white gentleman, asking one of the police officers, what did they do? They were just exactly. sitting there. So obviously there was a reaction by the people in the store of what's going on here. There seems to be something improper being done to these gentlemen. Exactly. I mean, I think we have to stop and, and think about that. I, I know a lot of the times when these incidents happen, one of the first reactions, I think, from companies um, and from others is to say, well, maybe we need to hire more people of color to work in the store so that the store can be more culturally competent. But if the white customers in the store openly expressing rage and outrage at the situation, I'm not sure that having another black employee working there would have changed the situation any. I think the reality is there's a, there was a challenge with that particular manager and the practices that they have in place there. It, it is interesting, uh, Hank, that uh, I read a story in the Washington Post about this, and uh, one of the people quoted in it is a lawyer. He's about 32 years of age. He's African-American, lives in that part of town, which, as Stephanie mentioned before, very affluent, uh, high rents uh, type of area. And he said that he notices a difference in terms of the service that he gets from during the week when he's in his suit going to work at, at his law firm that he works at compared to on the weekends when he's wearing blue jeans and, and a pair of boots. And, and that obviously is distressing that that type of difference is going on. I agree wholeheartedly. We've, you'd think we've passed all this. But in the African-American community, we know that there's your trappings, your garments that you wear send a signal. So if you walk in with a suit and tie, okay, I've got you in a box, you're okay, you're all right, I'm going to treat you accordingly. You come in with a hoodie and some sweats on, you're going to get a different experience. There's that risk that's out there because I'm going to process a script in my mind that says, you might be trouble, you might be someone who might commit a criminal act in my establishment. Right. We shouldn't be doing this anymore. We should be moving past this. But unfortunately, this is the reality we live in. To the phones we go right now, Jamal is in Bethesda, Maryland. Jamal, welcome to the show. Hey there. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey there. So I just wanted to comment, and first of all, I'd like to piggyback on the comment that was earlier made. That is also my experience. Um, Bethesda is an extremely affluent sub suburb um, in Maryland, and the experience for me as an African-American male is, is very different when I'm going to Starbucks for lunch when I'm in my shirt and tie versus when I come in from the gym in the hoodie. The, the, the initial response is extremely different. But what I wanted to comment on was Starbucks' reaction to the situation. I was extremely pleased at the initial reaction from the CEO, um, completely taking responsibility for the situation and their action behind it, shutting down for an entire day to commit the organization to organization-wide uh, racial and um, and and um, prejudice bias, I think was 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 the right reaction. Jamal, thanks very much for the comments. Eight four four Wharton is the number to give us a call. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at Biz Radio one eleven B I Z Radio one eleven, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney twenty one. You know, Mary, thinking through this uh, over the last twenty four hours or so, this obviously is a chance for Starbucks as they are doing to do a a second look at their policies. This also, again, is another opportunity for other companies to do a second look as well. 
I agree that uh, any company that that is open to the public and uh, has has customers that that uh, are in their service factories, so to speak, uh, need to think about this and and how they treat customers. Um, when I teach services marketing, I have students keep a, a diary of their experiences in every service they they go to while they're in my class. And the the dress aspect is very important. Uh, even for young people that are, are not of color, that they every quarter when I teach the class, someone says I went to Neiman's or um, Nordstrom's or whatever, and I was wearing you know jeans and a sweatshirt, and I nobody paid any attention to me. Yet when I come from work, you know they're fawning all over me, and you know so so stores need to understand that that. Clothes don't make the the man or woman. Uh, you know, there could be a a very um, lucrative customer that's just in casual clothes. So th- this goes beyond just people of color. Uh, you know, young people also experience this uh, feeling of discrimination because they're not dressed appropriately or or as well as uh, other people. Hank, your thoughts? Yes, I agree once again. Um, it's fascinating when you look at this from the standpoint of saying, how long will it take to update sort of our preconscious biases that we have? You, we talk about training, and you go through a training program. It may have some lasting effects, but then it wears off. So it's going to take a while to move the needle on this particular topic. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but I do believe what corporations trying to do with the training and once again trying to think once again more inclusive more inclusive and to question yourself in that moment of saying okay i'm thinking about making this call what's triggering this is it really that these guys are being disruptive or is there some bad seed in my mind saying oh yeah it's the black guy who's going to commit this crime and if you can sort of be cognizant of it and then turn that off then i think it'll be a more positive step going forward But if we step back a bit and think about what is the nature of Starbucks' value set, right? They came to be and they developed notoriety around this sense of having a Starbucks experience where anybody could come and feel like they could belong. And by the way, being able to hang out and stay for a period of time in a Starbucks location is what differentiated them from the consumer base. So the reality is what how these two men were treated is completely Uh, It goes completely against the value system that they had in place, and which is why many of us love Starbucks to begin with. So I think the reality is they need to make closer closer and tight links between the company values around creating a culture of belonging for customers, allowing them to stay half the day. This is why they provide Internet and allow you to stay, and how other people, including these two black men, were treated. It's interesting because, you know, in... I am not a huge consumer of Starbucks, but uh, my oldest daughter is. And the fact that uh, you go into a Starbucks and in the one that is in my neighborhood, in the Philadelphia suburbs, you can't really go in there without seeing two or three people either reading a book or they're on their laptop. And and seemingly that is the culture that Starbucks wants to, to provide going forward of a place where you can feel comfortable. You can feel like you can get work done. It doesn't have to be if you're somebody that works from home. You don't have to be working in your home. You can come to our store and work there. So this really does go against the grain of what they're trying to do. 
Exactly. And I think I think any of us can tell our stories of the time that we were in a Starbucks. I can think of a location in Times Square. I have gone in there waiting for some meeting down the road. Yeah. I have not ordered anything. I have used the bathroom and I've hung out for two hours and I have never been bothered. And I think many of yeah. us have those stories. So the reality is, is what is the policy? Is this a policy just specific to this particular store? Um, was this just a policy that was just enacted for these two gentlemen? Right. Is this a company-wide policy? And why is it even in place if they want to really create this culture of belonging? So the question, Mary, then also it belong. Uh, we have to talk about the manager of, of this store. Now, uh, as far as I know, the manager is not working at the store anymore. But I don't know if a decision has been made on whether she has been she's gone on. She's leaving the company to go to another company or not. We still need to know more about this person as well and what is potentially going to happen to her, whether or not she may very well be a part of this training coming up next month. Uh, well, that, that's a, a question. You know, I I don't know that uh, her name has been, you know, given out. No. I, you know, people do make mistakes. I, she, I, she may be a, a young woman that, you know, grew up in the suburbs and, and didn't know, you know, many people of color. Uh, you know, I'd hate to just have her life ruined because of this incident, egregious as it is. Uh, it was she showed poor judgment, and I I read somewhere where that she admitted that she had shown poor judgment. She regretted it. So I I don't know if she should be fired or, but I I certainly don't think she should you know um, be pilloried because I think you know many other people in that situation unfortunately would make the same decision. Hank, and we need to stop that. Yes. Well, one of the things I was struck by is I'm thankful that we live in a nation of laws. And when all the dust settles, there probably will be a lawsuit. And I imagine there are going to be things on the – if you look at state laws, things in terms of statutes, if you look at the federal laws under the U.S. Code, Title 42, I'm sure is going to apply in, in this matter. How Starbucks will handle this, the spotlight will be on them. But at the end of the day, we all should be treated equal under the law. And it has to work this way for America to go forward. I'm wildly optimistic that we're going to get there. It's a long journey. Dr. Martin Luther King talked about it. But each day we're taking another step closer and closer to that more perfect union. So that gives me peace of mind at the end of the day. Stephanie? Yeah, I think it does start with the company, though, and it starts with the company values, and it starts with them implementing not just racial bias training, but helping employees to see what are the exact behaviors we want you to engage in with customers. How do you manage conflict? So if it's the case that you feel concerned about a customer, whoever they are when they come into the store, what's the proper way to respond? Did it have to escalate where the police were called? And I think that's what many of us are concerned about. That seems like a mighty extreme reaction to something that... Felt rather benign. Eight, and not only were the police called, 911 was called. Correct. Exactly. 844-942-7866 is the number with your comments or questions. We are joined uh, on the phone by Mary Gilley of the University of California at Irvine, Hank Boyd of the uh, University of Maryland, and in studio by Stephanie Curry of the Wharton School here at the University of Pennsylvania. Herman is in North Carolina. Herman, go ahead, sir. Hi, how you doing? Hey, listen, I'd like to say hello to the panel. You guys are great. The kind of conversations you guys bring up and the topics that are brought up on the show, I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. So thank you, sir. First, thank you guys for that. And then my comment is this. I would like to believe that the organization like Starbucks has done really well and has really created brand equity that uh, it's been you know, mentioned in many books. I would like to believe there's some kind of practice that should, be in a, should have been uh, added to help employees kind of, you know, anonymously report or, you know, bring to the attention that this manager kind of thinks this way or behaves this way. 
because people don't usually act like this off the cuff. You know, they kind of feel that there's guideposts that make you think that, hey, maybe he treats people different. <clears throat> Not one more uh, person of color in the office would have made it better. I don't think that one more employee that happens to be African-American would have made it better. But I believe that there were guides that would help people believe that this person kind of feels this way because, in 2018, uh, in the cross cultures that we've had with, with, with music and, 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 and just, just uh, you know, urban wear, everybody kind of looks the same. Hoodies are worn by different uh, classes, different races. And there's high-end hoodies, there's high-end jeans, there's high-end sneakers that look kind of weird, but they're very high-end. And with the advent of the Internet, this communication and this information is out there. So I would like to know if, if you guys believe that maybe uh, an anonymous way of helping people uh, kind of, uh, you know, vent about uh, their manager yeah. or kind of bring to – because, Dan, do you believe that people just behave like this out of uh, – just go crazy one minute and go, hey. Herman, thanks very I, much. Thanks very much for the call. Uh, Stephanie, we'll start with you. Yeah, so one of the things that companies like Starbucks do quite frequently is they do employee engagement surveys, employee uh, satisfaction surveys. So I am certain that they have store-level data. It would be interesting to see if this is a location where there have been other types of customer complaints or reduced uh, employee satisfaction that might somehow help us to understand that this might be indicative of this particular manager or this particular store. But stepping back, I actually don't think that this is something that is just happening in this store. I think what happened is it was recorded and we all saw it um, on YouTube and Twitter. Um, And so I think this is a great opportunity for the company to look more specifically at its stores and how it engages with the communities it serves. And and that's uh, another interesting piece to this, uh, Hank, is the fact that this was recorded on a a woman's smartphone. And without uh, without that video... Uh, this story may play out a little bit differently than what we're seeing right now. Oh, absolutely. Once it's before the general public, when we're all watching it, the fact that the number of views is like 3.5 million views and it had been only up a couple days yeah. speaks to the fact that, yes, information travels quickly, widely, and instantaneously now thanks to all this technology. So once again, you've always got, in some sense, Big Brother watching. And I think that a lot of the things that were hidden in the dark are now coming to light Thanks to technology. And of course, once again, we all have to be very alert and aware of what are we doing for an organization or a business. You have to constantly be cognizant of saying, okay, their eyes on us. Are we keeping with our value proposition and what we're saying to the community at large about our brand? Mary, your thoughts? Uh, I I agree. Certainly, um, uh, all of us need to be aware that our behavior is potentially going viral and, and companies need to include that in the training of their employees and their managers that, listen, you know, you need to be uh, 100% displaying our the, the company's values at all times. And I know that's a lot of pressure, but that's re- the reality of today. Great having you all with us today. Stephanie, nice meeting you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. Great having you here. Mary, Hank, thank you again for your input online on, on the phone. Thank you all. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you both. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.